Welcome, once again, to Paranormal, the New Normal. It's your host, Jeremy. I'm here to bring a little normal to this world, as much as I can, at least. And I am very, very, very happy to have the guest I have today, because once I saw her profile on Podmatch, I had to get her on the show to talk to her, because I thought I was an impressive kid till I read her profile. I mean, oh my God. And just so I don't keep going on and on gushing about this, my guest today is Shanti Henderson. I knew I'd mess it up, but I think I, I think I fixed it. I think I fixed it. <laughs> Good. And she is an amazing 14-year-old author who has written 18 books and has had 11 of them published so far, with more coming out this year and next year, I believe. So I am dying to get started talking to her, but first things first. How are you doing tonight, Shanti? I'm doing great. How are you? I can't complain. I get to do a podcast with a young author, which is something I admire because it, it was a dream of mine at one point, but I just never had the concentration for it. So, so first things first, how did you get started writing? How do you get, I mean, how did you get started in all this? Because it's got to be an amazing story. Honestly, it's really hard to tell. I feel like I've always been especially interested in writing. Um, when I was really young, I have memories of creating these little books. They were just like bound together stories. It was very funny. Um, but honestly, I really did start out publishing um, in the middle of the sixth grade. And I wrote this novella with my friend. And I ended up actually publishing it um, through self-publishing, through Kindle Direct Publishing. And it's really bad. It is actually still on Amazon because um, I've never had the courage to just take it off um but yes the first two books i wrote were um these really bad novellas and i actually didn't write another book for about six more months until the pandemic hit and i had absolutely nothing to do um i am one of the people whose origin story has to do with the pandemic i was bored i was isolated and what i ended up doing was i ended up writing this alien invasion novel called biomlock and it was the first novel i ever wrote i didn't have very high hopes for it however i was completely captured by the story so originally i had planned for it to be a 20,000 word novella and it ended up being 250,000 words and 800 pages long which is way too long to publish or even like get an agent and query for anything like that so I actually ended up splitting it into three books and um the summer after I wrote the fourth book but those first three books are technically the first novel I ever wrote if that makes any sense and then just from then on I never stopped writing wow I mean I think I literally had my jaw drop like three times in that paragraph right there <laughs> like oh my god like that is incredible and and one, I think it's more courageous to leave it out there if you think it's not good than to take it down. It's definitely more courageous to leave it out there because props to you on that. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I've struggled that too with podcast yeah. episodes, like wanting to take yeah. some of them down. But at the end of the day, it's just leave them up there. Everybody's allowed to have one or two bad things in their life that they try to do. Yeah, it's like, I feel like those books are a part of my history. Like, I've had people comment on my TikTok and stuff like, oh my gosh, you're going to regret this when you're older. You're going to hate all the books you've written now. And like, I am very well aware in probably 10 years time, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, why did I write that in my book? Why did I publish that book? But the thing is, it's all really a part of like my history. And these books really like, I kind of can't not publish them because by publishing them I'm just kind of taking steps forward in my career and I'm opening new opportunities for myself so I can't just time travel to 10 years in the future and not publish another book until then like I have to keep doing this and I, ha I have to keep building a path even if like the first books I publish are not going to be as good as the ones I publish in 20 years because I was 12 when I started publishing books so I'll have people be like Chaunty, that one book is like so bad. I'm like, yeah, I was 12, but it's just a step forward to what to the goals I want. And honestly, like, it's not that bad. Like, it's just sometimes though I look back, and it's it's usually like the writing style, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I could have worded this so much better now. So you know, maybe I'll end up actually rewriting some of my books. But honestly, even then, the writing style isn't that bad. I just because I've grown so much in my quality of writing, I look back and I'm like, oh, that's so bad. Which. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll get to this in a second, but hey, Brian, good to see you watching the head of Parapost Network, who I stream on. Glad to have you here, buddy. Gotta get you on the show one of these days, Brian. I gotta. But so, I mean, you gotta put it this way. Out of, I mean, every author has a book or two they're not so proud of. I mean, Stephen King's written some books that, I mean, I love Stephen King, 
and I and I feel like this is blasphemy saying this, but he's written a few books that weren't the greatest books in the world. Like, I mean, they were good, but they weren't like his best work, like a like The Shining or Salem's Lot or pick pick a book from his first seven years. But but he's written some ones that people have like hated on. But I mean, every author's gonna do it, especially in the beginning, especially in the middle of the career when they hit it like a dry spell. It happens and. You can't be ashamed of that because that's what makes you get better is by admitting that things could be better, which you're right on that process. So kudos, kudos 100% to you on that. Thank you. So the book series that I, that you already mentioned, I is the main, well, not the main, but the first book series I want to talk about tonight, Biodome, because just, just being on your website this afternoon and look at the cover and reading the description, I'm like, I want to read this. Like that's, I mean, it, it, it takes elements from like a lot of different things that have, I've seen before on TV and whatnot and puts them together in ways that probably are unimaginable to a lot of people. So I definitely might be buying these books on Kindle at some point to read if I ever get back into reading because, you know, well, you don't know, but I'll tell you, once you have kids, your ability to read goes from like here to there. So it's just the way it is. <laughs> but I don't. Kids, kids are important, so they come first. But what made you want to write a book about an alien invasion? What, like, what inspired that? So when I was a little kid, I was very afraid of aliens. I don't really know why. I just was. Like, I just thought the idea of, like, little green men that, like, came from, like, Mars or something was terrifying. And I thought they were – I was scared. Like, what if aliens abduct me? It was very silly. Um, I was a very funny little kid. But anyways, when I started writing Biome Lock, there were going to be no aliens in it. It was going to be a dystopian novel – that, oh, I'm trying to remember the original plot. It was going to be like fantasy almost. It was going to take place in this fantasy world where the government separated the people in the biomes. And that idea just was not working. I started writing Biome Lock with that as the premise, and I didn't get past the first page. So I was like, this isn't going to work. I need to completely switch the setting of this. I need to switch the circumstances. So what I ended up deciding was that it was going to take place on like 10 years in the future by then, I guess because it was 2020. And I think the aliens invade in 2030 it's weird so it was going to start out the prologue in 2030 and it was going to be the aliens invading and the aliens were going to be the ones who are going to take over the world and make everyone live in the separate biomes and then it's actually flashes forward another 30 years to 2060 where the story actually takes place so it's very confusing but honestly i kind of threw the aliens in there because what i had originally wasn't working and i was like you know this is a lot better i prefer this so that's kind of how it all came to be um biome lock was definitely like just so much of what happened in that book was just decided so last minute um without spoiling it because this is actually from the third book so it doesn't come out yet there's a character that dies in the third book and they weren't actually supposed to die um i hadn't written like my whole little outline so that they die but then i was like you know i don't know what i'm gonna do with this character it would be so much more powerful if they died so a lot of it was like very last minute almost surprising myself in a way but literally, they are out in nature, and they are breaking a lot of rules. So, like, it's going to be surprising. And it's going to, I don't know, like, it's going to be unpredictable. Which, okay, well, first thing I want to say to that is, you are not silly to be a little kid afraid of aliens, because I'm not going to say that all extraterrestrials out there are bad, but because I don't want them to take that against me someday. But, and if they're, they're already here, as, as a lot of people believe, but... I mean, my kid, my, my son, when he, he's eight now, when he was five-ish, like, he was that scared of aliens, too. Well, that's also partly because his mom thought she was being abducted all the time and would talk about it. So, you know, we we put into our kids the fears we put into them. But it's just basically, I mean, I explained to him that they're not they're not all bad. They're just doing experiments, basically. So, that which is my belief. I mean, not everybody's going to believe that same thing. I probably have people out there that will hear this and be like, why would you tell your kid that? But... <laughs> But so, I mean, it's funny that you wrote this. Book. When did the first one come out, Biome? Um, well, so the first book came out in 2021, but I wrote it in 2020. So, did the did the CIA, FBI, like releasing all the information about aliens in 2020, have anything to do with that? Um, I found out about that after. I think it was a friend a year later. Um, that they released them, and I was like, oh, this is interesting, because, like, with aliens, I've always thought, like, it's almost arrogant to think that life doesn't exist on other planets, but I don't think they're actually gonna come kill us, like, 
I don't know. That just sounds a little far-fetched to me. It is more of like a science fiction idea. Yeah. That they're just, just out there like, like trying, trying to destroy every planet. Not everybody on so they could take it over. But I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, if I saw the human race from afar, I'd probably be like, bye-bye. But <laughs> that's just me, though. I mean, but yeah, we're not the greatest race in the world. I'll, I'll give us that. But or in the universe for that matter anyway. But but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard it's hard to say. I mean, aliens, I doubt they're gonna come destroy us. If anything, they're gonna try to teach us first, which I like those science fiction works a lot better, but they're also I am not in my muscle fan of the science fiction ones where they keep us prisoners or experiment on us because they have been doing that to some degree as there as there's been proof of that. I mean, there's been things we can't explain, people finding metal in their bodies after they think something happened to them and they can't explain why. And the metals are not from this earth. So who knows? I mean, it's either aliens or the government. And I don't trust either. So, <laughs> so I mean, but I mean, when I think of this book, it it's kind of like, to me, seems like almost like Walking Dead, but with aliens instead of zombies, which is an awesome theory, like an awesome idea to put into a book. Because it's just, I almost want to see a TV show made out of it. Not that there was many talks of that yet, had there? <laughs> Um, not with Biomlock. Um, but I think, like, honestly, Biomlock would make a really good TV show. I have it all planned out for, like, which books would be, um, like, which format, sort of. So, like, Biomlock, I think, 100% would be a great TV show. Honestly, I don't think it could be done, um, as a movie, because it's just so long. The Chronicles of Xyla Delane, that's a series of novellas. Those 100%, I think, would be, like, a good, like, miniseries almost or a good TV show. Never Dying, which is my most recent release, like, my favorite book, um, could be either a movie or a TV show. And then You Won't Know Her Name could just only be a movie, I think. Well, I mean, like, I could see Biome Lock being a trilogy of movies or something like that. Like, That's if they true. did it right. If they did yeah. it right, because going back to Stephen King, they never take a book and make it into a good movie. They never do. I yeah, mean, they they made the they took out like half of the Harry Potter content for the movie. So, yeah, we won't get into that conversation though because that's a wormhole. But, <laughs> but the the other uh, series you just mentioned with the name I know how I can't pronounce for anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, the one of Zyle Delay. <laughs> yes, because I know I can't pronounce that. And I'm not going to try because I'll destroy it, mm. and that's not fair to you. So, <laughs> but from from what I read about it, it's about like haunting and ghosts and spirits yeah basically it's very strange because I, I wrote it when i was 12 turning 13 i think i might have already been 13 when i started writing it and i finished it while i was 13 so it was like um the brainchild of my seventh grade self um oh boy it's probably the most difficult book for me to describe the plot of so there's um ghosts there's magic there's like other worlds created by the said magic and there's some really scary um magician dude who's like killing children for his army it's very strange <laughs> um the other day i was talking about probably rereading those books just so i can understand what happened in them because like look i wrote them i read i read them over a bunch of times in editing i don't know what happened like it's been so long and the plot is so strange that like i don't remember them too well but they're very um they're funny at least they're not supposed to be but it's just it's very strange um and um the first album book actually is still one of, one of my most popular books nearly two years later or no only a year i i can't even do math <laughs> well it doesn't matter if you can do math because you can write yeah. apparently and that's that's a skill that'll take you far and i mean you just sold me on that book too now damn it <laughs> i got a lot to read now but because that book that series sounds so interesting i mean it's like like dr strange meets pennywise and it like kind of ideal yeah. to it so and i mean magic and ghost all goes hand in hand i mean usually yeah they're usually pretty much hand in hand i mean and it's all the same and a you got to have a sorcerer or a witch so it works and i would any idea what got you into that though like was it were you inspired by like some some fantasy genre uh, ip or were you inspired by other books you read i 
gotta tell you, I don't really remember. Um, a lot of that book was really just sort of this sort of weird kind of dream core almost idea. Like the dreams are very prevalent in the book series, but also just the even the vibe of the book, it feels almost nostalgic, but in a scarier, more sadder sense. But also like it is it's really strange. Like, just the whole vibe of the book is, like, nostalgic, but in almost a scary and sad way. But also, you know, like, peace and happiness that nostalgia brings. So it's a mix of all these emotions. And, like, it's just, it's very strange. It's very twisty. Um, both All three books are relatively short. They're around 100 pages long. And um, the first two, at least, end on horrible cliffhangers. The third one, not so much. But, you know, it's the third, it's the last book, so of course. Um, and actually, there's a prequel to it. It's a whole novel I wrote. It's not published yet. It's on my backlog. Um, and it's a lot longer. It's around 400 pages. And it's like the prequel to it that explains the origin story of the villain. So, um, Zadelaine Universe is one of my more kind of drawn out kind of worlds. Which is awesome, because a world like that can be drawn out forever, as we've seen countless times. And when other people have made their own, I mean, they dragged twilight out way longer than it ever should have taken place but that's just my opinion <laughs> but so i mean 100 pages each that's mm, okay i definitely might be downloading those soon because 100 pages i could do i mean that's that's a good i mean that's a that's a good length it's like a young adult novel kind of in a way isn't it? if i believe so yeah reminds me of the animorph books i used to read when i was a kid so 100 percent that one and have you ever thought about possibly, well, I mean, how, how big do you expect it to get? Like, do you plan to be writing that for years and years to come? Zyle Delane, probably not. The last book I wrote um, in that series was around nearly a year ago now. So it kind of all depends on whether or not I think there's any content left in that universe. Because like, I don't want to dra- drag it out. And really, like, the first series is closed out. The prequel doesn't need um, another book to it. So really, it's kind of almost like, could I add something on to the end? Which I very well could. I think every ending has a story that could come after it. But do I want to do that? I don't know. (laughs) I had, like, some plans for it. But ultimately, there's nothing terribly concrete. So it's maybe, like, in five years, I'll have another three books out. But really, I don't know. I mean, you you're you're young. You could be putting books out for that for the next thirty years every so often if you wanted to. So, at least, yeah. I mean. My goal right now is to have like a few um, novels of release each year, and then like a put another poetry collection or a novella. But I don't know if any of so Zyle would probably count towards my novellas, unless I decide to write more like an, another Zyle novel. But it's like I think I might write another three Zyle books just as like a sequel series but also I have so many other ideas that I'm working on it's almost it might slow me down in a sense to be working on a story that I did in like sixth grade or seventh grade I mean yeah you, you got to work where the passion is at that moment that's, yeah. the, that's the that's the key to anything I mean I try to take my podcast in that direction that I want to go in at that moment just because it's just you can if I try to do every the same topic every week it'll just get boring and boring and I I won't want to do it anymore at that point so I 100% can agree as a, from one artist to another in a way. But I, before we go, before I go into the next book I want to talk about, but how do you manage to do this? I mean, being 14 with high school and everything else, like time-wise, how do you manage to do this? Like even, I think it's pretty – it's simpler than um, one would think. Usually what I do is I try to do like 30 minutes of writing, 30 minutes of homework, 30 minutes of writing, 30 minutes of homework. And after those four, usually I'm close to being done. Sometimes my homework goes longer. Sometimes the writing goes longer. Last night I was up to probably 10 o'clock or 10.30 just trying to finish writing. But um, usually it's just a 1,000 words a day for writing and then whatever homework I have. And thankfully I don't have much homework right now because school's still starting. So for now yeah. it's pretty good. A thousand words a day. Oh my god! I mean, I um I, used to do five thousand over the summer. Yeah, I mean, my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can't even picture that. I mean, I used to do a little bit of writing when I was younger, but I never, I mean, I never amounted anything close to what to one book being published even or written fully. But I just, I couldn't write. I don't think over two hundred words a day. I just like it didn't flow like that. Like it just didn't come to me like that. But that's just wow thousand words a day 
I think that might be the name of this episode. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think it might be. It's pretty good. That's... title. So, is writing a good, like, what's like what's it offer you writing is it a good relaxation type thing for you or is it like meditativeness in a way or is it just any kind of therapy maybe i think in um a lot of ways yeah writing to me is just many different things so it is kind of like an outlet almost it's also like a fun escape and it's just like i just i've always enjoyed doing it i've always enjoyed creating characters and creating stories and i've just always enjoyed kind of sharing my writing with other people though i do think it does serve as an outlet a lot well, I mean, everybody needs an outlet, and writing has been one for a lot of people. I mean, yeah. I did it myself for years, as I said. So, hundred percent, like I could, I get that, I get that a lot. But what I want to talk, well, actually, could I? I read, I read that you did some historical fiction, but I couldn't really find a book to correspond with it. Haven't released one yet. I've written some historical fiction. Um, for a while, it was my favorite genre. But I haven't released any yet because for the most part, I'm just science fiction and poetry and some fantasy. But historical fiction is one that I definitely want to get into more. I think it's very fun if done right, but it can also be very tedious. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fact checking in there and seeing which ways you want to go. Like, are you, are you, do you want to do like a, I don't know if you would even get this reference, but I don't know if, do you want to do like a man in the high tower like type thing or like a Doctor Who type thing where, like where either it's just one hit one timeline that's changed or it's like Doctor Who or Slider Wise where it's someone going through time affecting a lot of different timelines. I do think like alternate history would be really, really interesting. Um like I'm not sure for a while I was gonna do a book set in like a um, World War Two era, but I never like I started planning it and I had to scrap it after like a day because so much research and like not enough time almost. And I was like, yeah. I might spend months researching it. And then if I like stop writing it, like all those months, I feel like are going to go to waste. So I kind of decided like, I'm not sure yet. Um, I really also want to do like kind of like a medieval book or something set like a really, really long time ago. But then again, I also really don't know. It's like, it's so much. Because <laughs> like, with, yeah. Oh, what were you going to say? I'm, I mean, they did Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. So maybe... Theodore, Theodore Roosevelt, Bigfoot in disguise. Yeah, like, I think, honestly, there's just with historical fiction, like, there are so many possibilities that it's so hard to pick one timeline and one story to do. Oh, completely. I mean, I've, I've always been fascinated with history myself, and I love when, like, Doctor Who and other shows that, like, do change history and, like, go back and touch on historical moments and expand on them. I mean, I do love that. A lot of shows have done that, and I do love that idea. And I, I mean, I actually have a lot of ideas for that genre, but yeah. it, it's there's there's so many things that if you tweak like one little fact that happened, like there could be a whole different outcome. It's just fascinating. Yeah. Like, I mean, so yeah, medieval times too. I mean, that's one of my favorite like eras of history, and there's a lot of good stuff you can work with in that. Like a lot of good stuff. I mean. I mean, I'm a huge gamer for Assassin's Creed, and they did that for Medieval Era as well, and they did an amazing job doing it. So you definitely could have some fun doing that. I'm guaranteeing you that. But we'll take it to a more serious topic for a second. You wrote a book that, because you're an advocate for anti-bullying, which everybody should be, because there's nothing good about bullying. So... You wrote a book about that, did you not? I did. Um, you own her name. <laughs> that, yes, that's, that's the one. Okay, I, I knew I, I didn't remember that was like a, the anti-bullying book or a different one, but, and, so, let's just talk about bullying in general for a second, because I mean, this is about paranormal the new normal, but bullying is always going to be the normal unless something's done, and I think it should be. So, I mean, I myself was bullied in school a lot. I mean, I was a bigger guy, so I also didn't get bullied as much as I could have because people were a little bit intimidated by my size. But so I know where I know where like a book like that comes from because it's just you have the stuff inside you to make it. So, 
if somebody's being bullied in school, what advice do you have for them? Like, what can your book teach them? So, um, first and foremost, I think you need to find an adult whom you can trust, whether it's a teacher, um, a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, an older sibling, a coach, anything. Find someone you can like that you look up to and that you think will help you, and then talk to them, explain to them what's going on. Um, often you'll be told to tell a teacher, and I think you should, but honestly, in so many cases, teachers and administrators won't do nearly as much as they should. And in that case, you need to take action, and you can't kind of – I mean, it does really depend on the situation, but if you're feeling uncomfortable, you need to tell someone, and you need to alert your administrators of it should it be that bad. And you also need to distance yourself from that person. What I've found, and this is not usually how bullying is portrayed in television, but what I found is very often it's someone you're either friends with or have like mutual friends with, and you have kind of to be around them. Of course, there are cases and very often where this is not how it is. But in my situations, it's someone I've either been, you know, friends with or someone whom I've known through a friend or someone who I've been in a group with for a project it's always someone that you're usually forced to be near and you need to distance yourself from them in any way you can. If they're your friend and they're making you uncomfortable, um, if you're able to, you need to speak up and tell them no and tell them that you're not comfortable with whatever they're doing. And should they persist, then you need to distance yourself from them and unfriend them. If they're a group member, explain what's going on and ask that you be like, you know, switched from their group. If they sit with you, ask to switch seats. If you have a mutual friend with them, maybe try to explain it to your friend or distance yourself. Stop sitting with them. Find ways not to be near them because the problem is people stay in situations too long and then it usually gets worse and worse. And it'll, like, if you just get away the moment things start feeling really bad, then it'll be a lot better for you. Sound advice right there. That's all sound advice and I agree with all of it. I mean... And yeah, sometimes bullying can be someone right close to you. Sometimes it could be just that random kid that is just, he has a bad home life or he had a bad day or something and he just needs a reason, he or she needs a reason to take it out on somebody. And they just find you and they find one thing they could focus on and that's their, that's what they do for that. They, that's how they get their anger out. So, I mean, that's all good advice. So people should hear that advice. I 100% agree. What do you think schools can do to handle it better? Because, I mean, my son has been picked on at school like the last few years as well, and I, I don't think the schools handle it right. I really don't. I mean, they handle it better than they did back when I was in school 20 years ago. But still, there's it's still not at a point where it's perfect. What I find is that schools will claim they have a zero-tolerance policy for bullying and then give the bully so many different chances. And what I often find is schools often lie to cover themselves too because it doesn't, bullying never makes the school look good. Um, Honestly, in a lot of situations, schools will also try to sweep things under the rug and that is not the case. If there is a bully in the school, the school needs to handle it and make sure that they are separating the students at all times and that they are making sure the student never does it again and making sure that they also don't do it to other people. Because what's what schools often do is they'll be like, okay, we'll keep you two apart. We'll talk to them. But then that person, now that they can't believe you, is going to go do it to someone else. And then that's not any better. Um, they also need to take accountability, which is very, very hard. And schools also need to stop looking at the victim as much as they do and very often at the school I just came from, when there would be something really, really bad going on, they would be like to the victim, well, how did, how did you let, not how did you let this happen, but like almost blaming it on the victim in a sense and being like, what did you have to do in this? And a lot of times, you know, sometimes it's not the case, but very, very, very often, almost 100% of the time, the, vic- the victim is literally the victim. They're not doing anything wrong. And schools need to take accountability and they also they need to watch what's going on more because so many times someone will come to a school with a problem and they'll be like oh i'm sorry we didn't see it we can't prove that this happened but should they have been like watching during break and maybe just keeping a better eye out and listening when things are happening then maybe you know they'd witness it yeah i mean victim blaming is a big problem it always has been 
I mean, it was a bigger problem 30, 40 years ago than it is today for sure, but it still has its issues out there and they need to recognize that. I mean, I myself was bullied tons of times for literally doing nothing but standing there in the hallway at the wrong place at the wrong time. But it's just the way it goes. And unfortunately, they do blame the victim a lot of times. It's same as for a lot of other hot topic issues in America right now that we're not going to get into. But victim blaming is a big problem for a lot of things. And yeah, I always felt that, I mean, even when I was in high school, we had guidance counselors, but no one ever made you go see them unless you really did something bad. And I mean, I feel like they should be doing regular checkups on every kid they cover. I mean, they usually have enough to divide the kids up in an even way, at least. So do bi-monthly or tri-monthly like checkups on the on everyone in your list just to make sure they're doing good. Like, ask them the right questions. Yeah, and I think we need to train people better to handle these problems. We need to train our administrators and our teachers to actually handle what is going on effectively. Because um, very often, they're, they don't know what to do. Um, another thing that I think is extremely important is they need to address it. But they need to address it right. Um, last year, my school did an anti-bullying assembly. Like, it was just like an anti-bullying PSA. And it was very just comedic they were laughing the whole time the kids pretending to act out bullying and it wasn't even accurate it was just a complete joke and they made a complete joke about bullying and i mean you know this is kind of brought up a little and you won't know her name not really as much as it was because you wonder her name was written before eighth grade and in eighth grade i really did agitate for a better bullying program in my school and for things to happen and as a result i'm I mean, I'm not 100% sure if this was directly related or not, but considering I'm pretty sure I was the only one who was actively bringing up the problem at board meetings and to my principal, they did an anti-bullying PSA and it was horrible and it was not at all accurate. It almost felt like a joke. Like I felt laughed at almost. It was like completely ridiculous and it was honestly just offensive because bullying is not a joke. I know there are people that joke about it. But it's a real thing that happens to people, and it really affects people. But a lot of people just can't understand that. Yeah, I, I mean, well, the, I mean, the problem is, is some a lot of the administration, not all of them, but a lot of the administration in these schools are still old school. They've been around for 40, 50 years in the administration or as teachers, and they're used to the old ways where, oh, bullying toughens you up. It teaches you what not to do. Like, no, no, your parents should be doing that, not bullies. Yeah, and Jimmy. They that's yeah, just the way a lot of them still think, and I don't think personally things will change for a while still until it's people from the generation above me and my generation that get to that point, and they can say like, "All right, I went through this and I hate it. I'm gonna make it safer for every other kid in these schools." Yeah. Um. One more thing. I know I'm talking a lot. Um. With middle school, particularly middle school, that's where I found it is obviously the worst. I think most people can agree with me. I think that is because there's this sort of stigma that middle school is going to be horrible and you're going to hate it and kids are going to be mean. And yes, that's true, but it doesn't have to be. And, you know, bullying is not just middle school and it's not something that should be just seen as the norm because you're not teaching kids to be respectful and you're not teaching kids to do the right thing. Instead, you're teaching kids to hurt other people and that it's just normal and it's acceptable to do. Yeah, which I mean, it's, I mean, that's the way I was brought up is that, oh, they're, they're just making fun of you. I mean, or the old stigma of, oh, if a girl makes fun of you, it's because she likes you. No, it's not. No, it's not. Why would you tell someone that? No, it's all that's going to lead to is bad things to begin with if you tell somebody that that if someone's making fun of them, they like them. Like, that's just, no. Yeah, I think it's sort of like, you know, if, a like, a boy is being mean to you, oh, boys will be boys. If a girl is being mean to you, oh, it's just, like, mean girl stuff. Like, it's normal. And it's not. <laughs> like, there's nothing about bullying that is and should be normal. Exactly. I mean... There's one thing for joking around if you're friends with yeah. a person and you're at that level where you can do that without offending anybody or without someone telling you, hey, I got offended when you said that. Then you have to back off and be like, okay, I apologize and I will not say anything like that anymore. Hey, Raymond, good to have you on. But, I mean, it's 100% just – and I had something else I was going to go with on that, but I for, it was from the last uh, – 
Well, actually, well, yeah, what you were saying about like how, I mean, that's the whole thing too. If they cut down on bullying, they would cut down on school shootings probably by at least 50%. And they would, young suicide would be cut down and everything else involved with those two and anything similar would be cut down because any violence at school would be cut down because there wouldn't be reasons for it. I mean, yes, I know the world's never going to be some kumbaya, let's all get along type place. It never will be. At least not anytime in the near future. I know that and everybody knows that. That's logical. But there are steps that can be made, though. A lot of steps that can be made to make it closer to that. And it's just not happening yet. And that's why I wanted to bring it up in this episode because I've yet to talk about it on this show and I really don't hear enough people talking about it as is with everything else going on in the world. So I'm all for it. For my kids, for young me, I am all for it. Because my daughter's starting kindergarten. I She's can be a little strange at times and I'm scared crazy that she's going to have something said to her from another kid that she shouldn't have to have said to her. Or worse. So yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen, but you never know these days. You never know. But let's switch over to a little more positive topic of it, or happier topic, I'll say. It's not because bullying is a positive topic if you do it right. But so I hear that you wrote poetry as well. I do. What kind of poetry do you like to write normally? Well, I really I really enjoy spoken word and I use that a lot as an outlet. Um, of course, a lot of my spoken word poetry is actually about bullying. Most of it is. I have some poems now that aren't. But that's just the topic I felt very strongly about. Um, one of the, the last spoken word poem that I performed actually wasn't about bullying. It was about gun violence. Because I usually like to write spoken word about topics that I feel strongly about and I have things to say. And often it's things that upset me. And it's just, it's an amazing outlet, but it also makes for good, powerful poetry. Oh, I mean, it, it, it does. I mean, whether it's poetry or, I mean, even rap, because rap is poetry in its own way. I mean... It, a lot of those topics that are harmful can make the greatest material in the world to write about and you might be getting a message out there someone that needs it you don't know that you don't know what you're doing so the impact could be amazing i mean so i applaud all poets because i i mean i wrote i've written a, my share of poems through the years but never anything consequential or anything for a long period of time just things that came to me but let me ask you this what if if other kids want to be a writer, if anybody younger than you or your age wants to start actually writing and trying to get out there in the world and published, how should they do it? What would you recommend? So first, I feel like the only way to start writing is to actually just sit down and put some words on the page. Um, it's really important for young people not to let their age get ahead of them and not to think, well, I'm young, so I can't be a good writer. Because what I find is there are people of all ages that are at different writing levels. And the only way to improve your writing is to keep writing. If you practice every day, if you write a cup a bit every day, for me it's a thousand words, you're going to improve a hundred percent. The improvement it feels exponential almost when you just work every day and you actively try to improve and you actively try to learn and you research and maybe take a writing class, do an online course, just read a little about writing and find ways to improve your writing. Because what I've found is there are a lot of kids who are really good at writing, honestly, better than most adults. And there are some adults that are obviously really, really better than kids because, you know, there's a sort of also developmental thing where, of course, you've had less experience if you're younger, but also you can sort of just gather more experience just by writing. Like, your age does not define your skills. It's how much work you put into it and how much you allow yourself to improve. Honestly, my biggest tip is always just to write the same amount every day. And not only will you work your novel, not only will your novel go a lot quicker, but you will like improve and you will build a habit and soon it'll become second nature and you're just going to be used to writing a thousand words every day. Um, but also just never give up. If you want to write, write. And if you're feeling down, like kind of just know that that feeling won't last and that honestly for me, it's like if I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling unmotivated, I figure out what's making me feel unmotivated because there's usually something in particular and often it's like, well, I'm kind of bored with where the story's going. So I'll add some things to just bruise it all up. Yeah, I mean, that right there, just, and yes, some adults can write better than kids, but I mean, I could write a, I could write a book probably better than most kids with bigger words, but it doesn't mean the storylines be better. 
doesn't mean the the twists and turns throughout it are going to be written better. I mean, it's just different skills, different skills. I mean, I could use the most scientific big words you could find in the dictionary and it wouldn't make a difference compared to someone half or three quarters my age who could write a book better than me. I mean, it's just age doesn't matter for a lot of things in this world. The only thing age matters for is voting and getting and driving and getting married and drinking. So besides that, age doesn't matter. So and age should matter for a lot of those things. So I agree with that. But yeah, for any anybody she ought to write, I mean a lot of the greatest writers were right when they were kids, just unfortunately in the world they lived in, their stuff didn't get released. It wasn't possible. So that's just more of a reason I want to talk to you because 15 years old with 11 published books. I still can't get over it. I still can't get over it. Like, it's <laughs> incredible. So what are some books that you love that you didn't write that, like, if you had to recommend a book that you didn't write to somebody to, like, make them see where you came from, what would you recommend? Wait, so that I did write or didn't write? I don't know. Cut didn't, off Didn't write. Okay. Um, well, my all-time favorite book is The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chbosky. I read it in the seventh grade, and I've honestly never read a book that I've enjoyed more. There's so much about it that's really incredible, and it's a very relatable book for a lot of teenagers, too. And it's just – it's so good. Uh, my other favorite book, another one that I read in seventh grade is The Book Thief. I – I love that book so much. It's so sad, but it's so good. Um, honestly, I gotta say, seventh grade me has had like unmatched taste, and literally all the books that are like my favorite books are the ones I read in seventh grade. So, um, honestly, I'm looking for uh, more books to read because I don't know what to read. I'm in a bit of a reading slump. However, I started reading The Boys from Brazil, um, and I'm really hoping to enjoy that one because I absolutely love the movie. So. Well, I mean, the Perks of Being a Wallflower, classic. I, I yeah. that's the one I've heard. That's the one I've heard of, and it's, it's, a, it's a classic. I mean, it's a classic for anybody in high school or middle school who feels like they don't fit in. But and have you have you seen the movie they did? I have. Um, thought the movie was very accurate, actually. Like, they didn't really change things. They only took like a scene or two out. And I don't know why I forgot to mention it. My other favorite book, which I also read in seventh grade, is um, Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. I love the entire Grishaverse. So, like, Lee Bardugo is my favorite author. Um, I think Six of Crows is, like, my second or third favorite book at this point. Um, again, I read it in seventh grade because everything I read in seventh grade is so much better than what I'm reading now. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But what verse did you say that was from? Wait, what? Uh, the Grishaverse, yeah. It's um fantasy. What? It's like a fantasy yeah. series. Yeah, it's um actually it's multiple series that make up the Grishaverse. There's like the Shadow and Bone trilogy, which I also really really love. Oh. And yeah, um, there's a Netflix show which is actually I really liked it. Um, and there's a Six of Crows duology and then the King of Scars duology, and there's some um like companion like books and stuff. Okay. And I've read them all. <laughs> I I thought I heard Grishaverse before, but I just I couldn't place it until you said Shadow and Bone. I was like, oh, okay. Never read it. I mean, God, it's been so long since I read an actual series completely. But, I mean, and the other two you said I never heard. Of. <laughs> the, the boy, the boys from Brazil, or the boys? yeah. Um, so the boys from Brazil. It's a movie, and then there's a book too. Um, I watched the movie about a year ago, and it's like one of my favorite movies. It's um like a thriller. It's released in the seventies, I think. It's very old. Um. <laughs> Interesting. I'll have to look into that. That sounds a little interesting. 70s, too. Jeez. Yeah. And what was the other one you mentioned? Because I never heard of it. Um, The Book Thief? Oh, the, you said The Book Thief. Yeah. I thought I thought you said, I thought you just said The Thief, and I'm like, or I thought you just <laughs> said Thief. Oh, oh, well. See, I thought you were saying The Book, and then like Thief, the title. That's what I thought. But <laughs> The book thief, yeah, okay. I've never read it, but I've heard of it. I've heard. Yeah, of it's one. Um, it's really popular. Yeah, I've heard. I, yeah, I've heard. I I heard they're doing a movie or TV show based off of it. There's soon. a movie that I like. I enjoyed the movie, but I didn't enjoy it as much as the book because they took out like my favorite scene. And I thought it was like the most powerful scene in the book, but it didn't make the movie. So you know, they always do that. Uh, well, I mean, if you're looking for book recommendations for your age, 
well, I mean, you're basically, you act like an adult, but still, <laughs> I mean, ones I love that are meant for every age, I'll say that way. The Inheritance Cycle by uh, Christopher Polini, which, have you heard of it or no? I have. Um, I don't think I've read it, but I might own it. The, the Disney Plus is doing a TV series pretty soon for it, so... I mean, they, they did a movie back in, like, 2007 that was freaking horrible for it, but um, they they have a TV show coming out on Disney+, Plus, and it gives me a little bit of hope because it's Disney+, Plus. so. Yeah. But, I mean, that's an amazing fantasy series about a about a boy who, learned, who finds a dragon's egg, and it turns into one of the greatest epics next to, like, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars I've ever read, so totally recommend that, and the other one I recommend, which is fantasy, but in a different way, is the Vampire Academy series. If you're into vampires. I don't think stuff. I've read it. It's another one that I might own. Like, I have so many on my bookshelf that I really got to check. Um, but yeah, Rochelle Mead, wrote, Rochelle Mead wrote that. She wrote the whole series, and there's a spinoff series. And there was a horrible movie back in the late 2000s <laughs> for that, too, because late 2000s was just, like, a horrible time for movies made out of books. But especially ones I read. But... Yeah. Uh, I believe I want either Hulu or Paramount or Peacock or someone's doing a um, mini a TV series about it as well now. So it's good time to read both of those actually because they're getting ad- they're getting ad- adaptations that look promising eventually. So yeah. And besides that, I mean, I yeah. Besides that, the only other series I'd recommend at this point that I can think of is um. Well, besides anything Stephen King, but um, the I think it's called the Ash and Bone series, but there's a book in it called Rotten Rune. It's about two brothers and their friends living in a zombie apocalypse and trying oh, to survive. that sounds really fun. With no adults. So I was recommended by a friend like, God, 10 years ago now or around there. And originally I was like, I don't want to read this Walking Dead ripoff. And then I read it, I'm like, this is better than Walking Dead. I'd rather watch that. I'd rather watch a TV show about this than Walking Dead. Like, oh my god! Like, it's just amazing. Like, kids going through puberty while trying to survive a zombie apocalypse is just perfect. Perfect. Yeah. But, and I hope they'll do a TV series or movie off that someday. I really do. But I haven't heard anything about it in years, and it seems like no one else ever heard of it. So, I don't know. <laughs> seems a little less likely than the other two. But so, I think the last question we'll ask is. What do you do when you're not writing? Like, do you do what do you do for fun? Like, I mean, you're 14. You gotta do some things for fun. Well, you're I watch I watch TV and movies a lot. So, like, I love Star Wars. So, um, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. <laughs> I also um, I have um, three cats and I hang out with my cats a lot. I like going on walks too, and I like skateboarding. So, just like things like that. And I also I hang out with my friends and I just kind of chill out. I mean. It's got to be awesome being someone who wrote this many books and had them published and like have your friends must like brag about you everywhere they go. Like, <laughs> like my friend wrote all these books and you could buy them at Barnes and Noble and on Amazon. Like it's got to be, <laughs> I uh, got I wish I had that kind of famousness when I was a kid in a way, but I mean, I'm sure it also has its negative part too sometimes, but everything does in this world, but so, ooh, Star Wars. I heard Star Wars and my eyes just lit up. I'm like, yeah, the next generation gets it. <laughs> Wait a minute. The real question is, do you like the sequels or no? I honestly, like, I enjoyed them, but I think, you know, there are some things I would have done differently, but I did honestly like them. And, I mean, so I was eight years old when The Force Awakens came out, and I was 12 when The Rise of Skywalker came out. And, like, as a kid, like, I really enjoyed them. Kind of now i still do i just you know there were things i would have done differently and there were different things that i i kind of wish would have happened but like i don't hate them (laughs) good answer that's pretty much the same way i answer people ask me i mean could they be redone a lot better oh god yes oh god yes give george back the reins i beg you please give george back the reins but i mean the prequel series is one of the best things i've ever seen in my life revenge of the sith is still in my top three movies of all time like the yeah. emotional depth in that and those acting roles in that movie are just mm. yeah revenge of okay. the sith was i think my favorite star wars movie up until 2016 
up until 2016. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you actually like one of the sequels better than that? <laughs> no, um, my favorite Star Wars movie is Rogue One. <laughs> Respect. Respect on that. Respect. So, um, actually, I saw the, you know, they re-released it to theaters. Um, I saw the re-release uh, on Monday. Oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Rogue One, see, I love it. I love the way they did it, but it's not even really Star Wars to me. It's kind of like Star it Wars does, spinoff. Yeah, it does really not have that Star Wars feel because, you know, there are no Jedi. Um, You know, I mean, Darth Vader's in it. But he's a Sith, well, I so. mean, there's, there's, there, I mean, there's just... It's, it's more different. of um it's more of like a and, war movie than and you like and a... you know what and you know what's gonna happen. I mean True. Uh, obviously. I mean, well when I was um nine, I I didn't predict that I was so shocked by the ending when I was nine years old. I was like, they can do that. Um of course I don't want to spoil how that movie ends, but I was shocked. <laughs> Okay, I mean, anybody who hasn't seen it by now, they're not going to see it. I mean, it, it came out I, six years ago, but yeah. I mean, it's just... And I, I love how everybody on Facebook was, like, putting out those memes of, like, oh, they announced a sequel to Rogue One. <laughs> and and everybody's, like, everybody, like, there's all these comments about people believing it. I'm like... Hold on. What are you drinking? What are you smoking? Like, come, come on. I have I'm a like, lot of those memes on my phone. And I'm like... <laughs> My like I, I think I think I think my brother actually asked me at one point, he's like, Is there actually a sequel coming out? I'm like, Yeah, in nineteen seventy seven. It's called The New Hope. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm pretty sure like a Rogue One sequel wouldn't work for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> but they did do something smart with it and now Andor's coming out in Disney yeah. Plus in the next month or so. So or even sooner. I don't honestly. It's um September twenty eighth, I think. I'm excited for that one. I'm, I mean, I'm excited for all Star Wars and Marvel stuff on yeah. Disney Plus, but I just, I with so many podcasting going on and everything else, and movies, watching movies for podcasts, I don't have time to watch Disney Plus shows anymore. And it's sad. Yeah. Like I don't have much time th- either. There's time coming up, but still, yeah. it's just I have like a series and a half to catch up on at this point, at least, and along with other things I haven't watched in forever. But so yeah, I mean, when you said, st- which okay, actually, if you are a Star Wars fan, there are two books. Tales from Jabba's Palace and Tales of the Bounty Hunters, if you haven't read them already. I don't think I have. Um, I have a whole they bookshelf can... with like only Star Wars books. I might have them. Why couldn't I have your bookshelf when I was a kid? My God. <laughs> but I didn't find this stuff till I was a teenager. I mean, well, yeah, it was different. When I, there was no internet like that when I was a kid, so you couldn't find this stuff existed even until you went to bookstores. But, but yeah, Tales of the Bounty Hunter, they kind of took the whole uh idea for the Boba Fett show out of one of those stories in that book. So definitely I recommend that one and and uh Tales from Jabba's Palace. Actually no Tales from Jabba, Tales from Jabba's Palace is the one that the Boba Fett story is out of. But Tales of the Bounty Hunters is also a really good book because it goes through like all the bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back and that one scene with Darth Vader. They give them all backstories. Ooh, which is that's just interesting. Yeah. So I, and okay, well, God, uh, I'll make this the last one. Otherwise, I'll recommend stuff all night at Star Wars. But the Young Jedi Knight series is a series. I don't. I, you probably, you might have it on your shelf for all I know, but it's a series about Han and Leia's kids. They're twins. They have a boy and a girl named Jason and Jaina. So you do know it. Yeah, I um. When I was seven or eight, I started reading it, which is probably a bad idea. I don't know if I ever finished the first book. I was very young, but um, I have yeah. read a bit of it. Well, for those who haven't read it, it also features Chewbacca's kid as well. <laughs> and another kid I don't remember where he came from, really. But So I would 100% recommend it because it's basically like Harry Potter before Harry Potter, but with Star Wars. And, I mean, they... go. It, honestly, to me, which if you haven't read since you're seven or eight, pick it up and read the whole series. I'm telling you. Like, I mean, if you read all the books from that series all the way up to the current ones they put out before Disney bought Star Wars about Han Solo's kids, it's epic. I mean, it goes I have very far if I hear, if, if I, from my, I've heard, like, we'll put it this way they have like with whole two, generations with, 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 two, with two twins, one of them's not going to go to the right side of the force. So, yeah. 
And they may challenge their uncle at some point. But, yeah, it's just, I mean, I hadn't read it all. My roommate, when, like 10 years ago, my roommate I lived with at the time was a huge Star Wars fanatic like me, and he read all of them. He was a reader. He could read a book a day, and like a 2,000, 3,000 page book in a day. So, and retain it all, which I can't explain that. But, so, I mean, yeah, but I read the original series, the Young Jedi series or whatever, the Young Jedi Knight series. And it's some of the best writing I ever read. Like, the, it's what the sequels should have been verbatim. They need to remake the sequels, which I, I've heard rumors. I've heard rumors they might be going back to that source material, but they need to do that because that would have been the next generation of Skywalkers that should have happened. 100%. Though, though technically they were solos, but they should have been the next generation of Skywalkers that happened. Yeah. But, well, I'm going to stop suggesting books now, otherwise I'll go all night. But <laughs> my my repository, my mind of all the books I read when I was a, when I was a teenager are pop, is popping open, and that's never a good thing. And I obviously, obviously, I don't need to bring up any of the famous ones that everybody knows about, like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. So I'm sure you read Harry Potter. I am sure. <laughs> but wh- where can people find your books? And just give them a rundown of all of all your book series again, just so they can look for them if they're interested. Okay, so first off, you can find all of my books on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, um, on the websites of your local bookstores, perhaps in the library. Honestly, anywhere you buy books online, they'll be there. Um, you, can, of course, you can, of course, find links on my website, which is ShantiHershenson.com, and you can find me on social media. My Instagram is at ShantiHershenson, which is S-H-A-N-T-I-H-E-R-S-H-E-N-S-O-N, and my TikTok is at ShantiWhoWrites. My Twitter is at Shanti Hirsch, but I usually just repost things about myself. Like, I don't really do anything other than retweet. So there's that. Um, and then if you're looking to get started reading my books, I'd seriously recommend either You Won't Know Her Name or Never Dying. These are honestly, I think, my two best books. You Won't Know Her Name is probably not as good because it's a little older and the writing style is not as good. But that's the one about bullying. And this is actually my most popular book. So this is the one people usually start with. I also really recommend Never Dying, though, if you're looking for fiction, sci-fi, a ton of fun. I think it's the best book I've ever written, and it's definitely my favorite. Um, it's just a really great starting point. And then you can go and delve into my older work, like Biomlock, Zaldalane. Um, Also, The God's Right Hand, I don't have it with me right now, is a great starting point. But honestly, if you're going into science fiction, I'd recommend Never Dying instead. And which one's Never Dying again? Because I don't think we talked about that one. It is this one. It's my most recent release. Okay, yeah, I did I did read a quick description online, but for everybody who wants to know, what's the basis of it? So it takes place in a dystopian future in which a random handful of a society is immortal due to a genetic mutation. Of course, this sparks a ton of problems like overpopulation and just the sheer fact that the government thinks it's unfair. So their solution is to have these government operators known as exterminators hunt down and exterminate all of the living immortals. And the main character is Scarlet and she's an immortal. And then the other main character is Kane and he's an exterminator, but he has a secret too. He's also immortal. So it's it's very fun. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, inter- okay, God. I am going to have to make time to start reading again. I swear to God. <laughs> but, because that, I mean, that is, okay, vaguely similar, I'll say, to a, another Rochelle Mead series I forgot about until this second called Game Board of the Gods. And, I mean, it's vaguely similar, but not, nowhere near the same thing i mean because hers is about old gods kind of like american gods by neil gaiman is so i mean which they're two amazing books as well my god i can go for days talking about books but and it's been so long that it's just like opening up all these vaults in my mind but but i thank you for coming on shanti it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and i cannot wait to get this episode out it'll be out in like a month's time because i'm just very backlogged on episode at this point, but I may push it forward. I may have to. I, I may just have to. We'll talk about it off camera, possibly if it lines up with certain things. But uh, and I uh, thank you for coming on. And for all my listeners, you know where to find me: the paranormal, the new normal slash maniacal music musings podcasts with the S Facebook group. And you can also find me on Twitter and the gram as at Juggalo Bastard. And you could find me on. TikTok now as 
Juggalo Bastard Podcast. And all of Paranormal the Normal will be uploaded there in the next month or so. It takes time to break down videos into 10-minute clips. but And all of my Maniacal Music Musings videos are already up there, or on the way up there. And you can find both shows now on YouTube. Just search for the name. And Paranormal Normal has a majority of its episodes uploaded, and the rest should be finished in the next week. So definitely go there if you actually want to see the video form of all my audio shows. I thank you for listening and watching, and I will be back tomorrow night with a past life regressionist, which I am dying to talk to as well. So, so many interesting people in this world, I swear. Shanti, thank you for coming on, and I, I hope this episode gets thousand listens, because people need to hear it. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Have a good night.